Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Small Business Big Life Podcast. Once again, it is I, Derek Van Ness, your host, and I am excited about this because we're going to get to nerd out today. Today's guest, Bernard Reese, is uh, a fellow financial nerd and tax uh, enthusiast, I guess. Not that we like to pay taxes, but we like to figure out how to legitimately help people optimize taxes, I'll say, right? But uh, Bernard, welcome to the show. Derek, thank you so much for having me. I wish we would have recorded the last 36 minutes <laughs> or so, uh, but this has been great. I'm looking forward to this uh, live segment. Me too. Me too. For those of you who don't know, we got you know kind of got into it early on and, and dug into a lot of cool and interesting tax and financial strategies. So before we get into that and kind of continue that conversation here and, and catch everybody up, Bernard... Uh, tell us a little about yourself as a human being, what you do, your business, and where people can find you online. Glad to. I am a CPA along with a whole bunch of other letters and alphabet soup. But um, anybody that knows me knows that the alphabet soup is really meaningless without a real commitment to learning, um, going through tax code, going through financial strategies, top to bottom. Uh, designations are just a starting point at best. Uh, my background is in financial due diligence, due diligence and uh, tax strategy for middle market companies and high net worth individuals. Uh, today, I have a focus on educating folks on the world of finance, finances in general, and taxes specifically. And the one big thing I want people to recognize is that you ultimately be bear the risk and reward of your financial and tax choices. Uh, so whether you delegate or you're a DIY, uh, you own it and you've got to take that ownership. Um, and when you delegate, do it wisely and strategically. Love it. Love it. And where can people find you online if they want to connect? So a URL, good URL is 401kcheckbook.com or agentfinancial.com. And even easier, if you Google Bernard Reese, B-E-R-N-A-R-D-R-E-I-S-Z, uh, should take you a whole lot of good content. If you find something you like, let me know. Uh, if you find stuff you don't like, then definitely let me know. <laughs> I appreciate you taking accountability there, right? Once you own things, like life gets better. So Bernard, I always like to start the show by asking people, if you could give one piece of advice to the, the listeners out there something that's been a guiding light for you or that you think is just really important that people get, what would that piece of advice be? Okay. One piece of advice that has three components. Is that allowed? Absolutely. But they kind of work together. Yep. yep. All right. The first one is kind of what we just said, 
you've got to take ownership, responsibility for yourself. Um, and if you think anybody else is taking responsibility for you, you've got to be disabused of that notion. Take responsibility <laughs> and ownership for yourself. Uh, but secondly, in from a sense of purpose, if you only care about yourself, then there's no meaning to it all. Uh, so you've got to own yourself, but for the purpose of providing for the greater good. Mm. And all of this is meaningless if you don't take action right now. I love it. I love it. Taking action, uh, imperfect action, obviously, is much better than trying to wait till you got it all figured out because I hate to tell you, but you never have it all figured out, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. actually a lesson that I took me some time to learn. Uh, I have a strong perfectionist streak, and it does really get in the way of things sometimes. So you got to be able to realize when something is good enough um, and just launch, get started. You can always tinker and fiddle and refine as you go as you go along. Mm -hmm. And what you learn as you actually do it and practice is that you're much all sorts of stuff that in the theoretical world you thought, oh, this is what we got to do. Mm -hmm. In execution, you'll see that no, you got to do something else. So you'll actually end up with a better outcome um, if you leave kind of the last ten percent for your post-launch. Yeah, I. I agree hundred percent. I think of it as you can only figure out so much uh, about playing the game from the sidelines, right? Like you have to get on the field because you think you got a plan. And then what's the Mike Tyson quote? Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth, right? <laughs> or you think it's going to go down one way and all of a sudden the rules change. That's only been happening like every couple of years in taxes lately or in investments or, you know, every part of our lives, it seems like is in flux right now, healthcare, you name it, it's changing. So yeah, I, I love what you're saying there, Bernard. So tell me a little bit about, you know, there's a ton of CPAs out there. There's a ton of financial guys. Like really, you mentioned that you work with certain groups of people, but what do you think really makes you unique or makes you stand out uh, amongst the crowd here? Uh, two things. Number one, um, if you think of the trajectory that most folks in the financial space take, call them traditional financial space, mm -hmm. whether you're a so-called financial advisor, accountant, um, even attorney, or whatever it may be. Uh, most folks kind of find their silo. They get started. You mm -hmm. do it for a couple of years, um, and maybe you do it as an employee, and then eventually maybe you transition, and you start your own small business, and you're kind of doing that thing that you've been doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and what that results in is an incredible amount of siloing and the investor, the individual, the client falls between the cracks. So you'll have your life insurance guy who knows his thing. Mm -hmm. um, you've got your accountant that knows his thing. You've got your financial advisor that does his thing. Uh, but really what you're ending up with is a patchwork of stuff that doesn't integrate well. Uh, and what people need is either you're supposed to be in that seat where you integrate it all. But to integrate that all requires a really high level of expertise, mm -hmm. uh, which most folks don't have. So I've made up my business to really have the expertise in all these areas and be able to bring them together and integrate them um, in really cool ways. Uh, so I do. I do not go out there. I do not sell life insurance. So I'm going to disclose I have a license. Don't ask me for a policy. <laughs> I do have a securities license. Do not ask me to sell you a mutual fund. Uh, but I do hold those 
and I do know my way around those areas. Very good. Well, if they need life insurance, that's one of the things that we do do. Uh, so very good. So I, I love this, uh, this concept because honestly, my background is I worked for a, a firm where we had all these different pieces and I was the guy who helped, I was like the point man to help with taxes and investments and estate planning and business entity structuring and all of that. I wasn't necessarily the master at any of it because we had attorneys and investment advisors and all that. But like you're talking about, that's sort of the exact same approach that we took. This patchwork quilt approach where your CPA saying, do this and your attorney saying, do that. And your life insurance guy's like, no, 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 do this other thing. Who do you listen to? Right? So do you help people to kind of reconcile that and, and pull it together? And just tell me a little bit about how did you acquire this this skill set? Because it is quite a skill set, and you look like a pretty young guy. So, uh, tell me a little about how you kind of got started in this, and how you ended up where you are. So, what it comes from, it's really a personality thing. Uh, more than anything, I'm a nerd um, <laughs> and a perfectionist. Yeah. Right. And so, if you're not satisfied with the status quo, and you're ready to do the legwork, right? So, when I first touched. Um, you know, you can you can do a tax return without ever looking at the tax code. And the fact is, the majority of CPAs wouldn't know where to find the tax code. They may not even know there's a tax code. Um, <laughs> right? There is a, uh, but if you want to really be able to help people, you actually have to have a solid understanding. Um, and you'll have tax attorneys who have never done a return in their lives, mm-hmm. Right. And they can talk in the conceptual world. Um, I'm going to digress just a bit because it's sure. a pet peeve of mine, right? Oftentimes, I'll talk to people and they'll say, they'll say, I asked my accountant or I asked my attorney if I can do this. And they said, oh, you can do this or you can't do this. Um, and it really, you got to know who you're asking, right? Sure. CPAs tend to be what he hears one question. And when you ask the attorney, you may be using the same words, but- he hears a different question and he's answering mm. a different question. Mm. Um, so you got to be really clear. So for example, I'll have people say that um, CPA said you can't do it. Uh, now, what does that mean? That maybe means that he's not comfortable signing on the tax return, right? Which is not different than you can't do it, right? And again, it's yeah. your risk, not it's your risk reward far more than it is his. his. Yeah. So what you really need is a tax attorney to say, no, this is what the risk reward profile looks like. Do you want to do it? Right. Okay. And then you could find the CPA to sign off on it. All right. If it's not the one you're currently using, it may be a different one. Uh, but your CPA is answering that question. And then sometimes people say, my attorney said, I can do it. Um, and what the question the attorney is answering is, this is a position that is defensible enough that you can pay me a pile of money to defend you. Right. Right. But sometimes... You know, that's the question you're really asking. But more often than not, most taxpayers want to know, will I get in trouble for this? Right. right. Will the IRS pick on me? Right. And the answer may be yes. Your attorney may say, can you ask, can I do this? And your attorney says, yes, you can do it because when the, uh, if and when they challenge you, I can, I can figure out a way maybe to prolong this fight and maybe you'll even win. Uh, but you may not be getting the answer to the question that you asked, which is, you meant to say, will the IRS leave me alone? Uh, I'm curious to know what your perspective is. And I'm sure you see a lot of this too. Yeah. So I, I, 
see it all the time. And you're right. The real question isn't, can you do this or can you not? You can do anything, right? The question is, what are the consequences? What's that risk reward profile, as you called it? And I, I bring this up all the time. In fact, probably one of the next two or three YouTube videos I'm going to be is, what is it costing you to be afraid of the IRS, right? I have a ton of clients who do things that, who, who can do things that they're afraid to do because what if they get audited? And the flip side, and I literally wrote an email to a guy yesterday uh, where he's trying to decide, should we do these research and development credits? Well, this particular client has qualified for $125,000 refund. And his, his CPA saying, well, you know, there's, there's going to be some paperwork hiccups and we're going to have to amend some things on the state level and some of these things. And so I, I don't know. And I, I'm asking him like, okay, so it's a little paperwork. It's $120,000 at a 20% margin. You've got to earn like what an extra $600,000 to your top line to get this profit. So you have to decide is the, the extra paperwork of worth $120,000 to your bottom line. Right. But his, his CPA saying, well, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't, but the CPA doesn't get any of that money for him. It's just more work. Right. So we have to remember the interests of the people who are, who are advising us, a CPA and attorney, in my opinion, almost never has, uh, has it in their best interest to say, yes, you can do this thing because for them, it's potentially more work. And if, if it goes awry, it's their word on the line. If they say no, Maybe you pay more taxes, but their life simplified. So we, and, and I'm not saying that all CPAs or, or attorneys would do that, but I'm saying like, we have to remember where the other person's coming from. Does that make sense? That That is so on target. Uh, and the real, let's say the novelty of what you're saying, and I agree with wholeheartedly, uh, folks are accustomed to thinking that, all right, um, for better or for worse, right? Mm-hmm. The life insurance industry has a certain reputation, right? Absolutely. And, right. And people, and by now our stockbrokers have gotten a reputation, mm-hmm. right? And so people say, hey, um, all right, if some folks, right, the life insurance agent walks through the door, their guard may go up, right? But people right. under the impression that an attorney or a CPA, oh, that's above reproach. Right. They're on and the bottom our side. Line, exactly. Now, the bottom line is, Everybody is human. Mm-hmm. We all respond to incentives to a certain extent or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, you know, you in the audience listening to us, um, you've got to just find the good people um, and really think for yourself. And it comes back to the same theme. You've got to own it. So I'm a CPA and I'm saying there are wonderful CPAs, life insurance agents, attorneys, wonderful sure. folks in every industry out there. And then there are folks in every niche that are not going to look out for your best outcome. Uh, so you just have to be get that and be positioned and have what it takes. You need to educate yourself enough so that you can pick the right people. Yeah. So let me ask you this question because I get asked this a lot, but I'm interested in your answer. How do you vet a CPA or an attorney or whatever, because it's, if you just say, okay, start doing my taxes, it takes two or three years to know, are they doing a good job for a lot of people? Right. And even then most people think they're overpaying taxes and they might or might not be. But I think when you just start writing big checks, you feel like you're overpaying all the time. So how do we, uh, do you have a method or something you recommend to help people sort of vet a new person if they're looking for one? 
the starting point is actually by actually looking at yourself before looking out there at the world, looking at the financial professionals, right? And so you have to look at yourself and understand, uh, how, define for yourself what a good CPA means to you, mm-hmm. right? And so that can mean different things to different people, and it comes down to your risk tolerance and what you're looking to do, uh, right? And and so when you define it for yourself, yes, yeah, some people have this idea of the best CPA is the one that gets me the biggest refund, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's a... That's a one-dimensional way, and I can show you to plenty of shops that can manipulate your tax return that'll get you huge refunds. Yeah. But it, but again, the and now they didn't do any. Generally speaking, they didn't do real tax work in the sense of real tax strategy. Uh, but they put things maybe in the wrong place on the return. Uh, right. You can always add another fifty thousand dollars in expenses. You know, nobody will know the difference unless you're audited. Uh, so I've seen a lot of different things go on, and the the CPA has some measure of risk there. But again, sure. the one that really has the risk on that one and the reward mm-hmm. is the taxpayer. Uh, and so when folks, when you try to you introduce the other dimension, oh, risk. Oh, it's not just about how big of a refund I get or how little I pay. Right. Um, oh, there's also the risk element. Okay. Um, now you've got to, so you got to figure out where you stand and how you want to approach taxes um, from a compliance perspective and a strategy perspective. Based on that, you'll know uh, which CPA is right for you. Overall, I'm in favor of working with um, folks that are kind of local to you mm-hmm. um, and things that are tax and legal. There is a lot of local nuance. And when you work with a national level firm, now there are national level firms that are national, but they have, they're truly national. This right. sense that they'll have a presence in your state, right? But then there are folks that maybe they really have one location, but they're marketing to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there I find that those end up being shops where people get shortchanged because when you scale that big in a space that is so nuanced, inevitably, clients are getting shortchanged. So I do believe in finding, ideally, um, if I can draw a parallel to artisanal kind of locally <laughs> sourced uh, food, uh, the professional services space is very much like that. You want somebody that is not a, they're not designed just to spit out paperwork, be it spit out tax returns or spit out empty documents. You want a place that's going to be working with you and actually being thoughtful about your particular scenario. Yeah, I, I like that. I've definitely seen that. We, you know, with things like these research and development credits, they do vary state to state, and and having some of that nuance can be really important. So, love that. Now, I noticed when I was looking at your site, you guys have a lot of things related to uh, self directed IRAs and and other you know sort of strategies. Just tell me a little about. Uh, how you got into that and and sort of what you see that the average person isn't doing great that could maybe be a little bit better. Like what's the most common mistakes or or the biggest things that you're like, you know, people need to know about this. So the self-directed retirement space is a space that has been growing and expanding by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. And for those that may not be familiar, what we're talking about is using tax sheltered retirement accounts, 401k plans, IRAs, SEP IRAs, defined benefit plans 
for investing in private assets, real estate, hard money loans, cryptocurrencies, tax liens, overseas stuff, really kind of almost everything is accessible. Uh, Now, I got into that kind of in alignment with my mission. Mm -hmm. Um, I really believe people, broadly speaking, should self-direct their financial life. Again, self-direct doesn't mean you do it all yourself, but it means you're the director. Um, And then in the world of retirement accounts, which is something that is heavily promoted by the traditional financial space, and they view it as a way to get captive money and to earn AUM fees and commissions and trailers and 12B1s and all sorts of other good stuff. Um, I think this, this is a great starting point and illustrates everything that I think we should be about um, and give people the ability to take that money and put it in investments that they in asset classes where they have some control mm-hmm. and they can get the risk adjusted returns that they're looking for rather than handing that over to somebody else that doesn't really add much value. Uh, but this space, ironically enough, about 95% of the rules that apply to retirement accounts only kick in once you get that level of control of your retirement accounts. Hmm. Um, so as long as the money is locked up, you don't have to know the rules. So most of the companies that do this stuff are out there selling the paperwork um, because they're, again, they're just like sub- the financial advisor makes money because your money sits in his account. Yep. Uh, these companies, they charge, some of them actually do charge AUM fees, uh, but overall, they're just processing the paperwork, super scalable. Uh, but you really need the guidance, the expertise. So the, because we're talking about income tax, uh, what's the worst case scenario on income tax? You well, have to pay it. <laughs> most, yeah. But what do you have to pay? You got to pay whatever it is the IRS says you underpaid. Okay, you pay it back with some interest. Yep. Right. And even if you get a penalty, the penalty is always going to be a percentage of the amount they say you owe. Right. In the retirement account space, uh, being that a lot of the compliance matters do not relate to income tax liability. So the penalties have nothing to do with underpayment. So you can, there are potentially a million dollar penalty out there, even for infractions, um, even though there's no, because this is the same penalty they would levy against Microsoft's retirement plan. If they broke the rule, Um, they'll levy against your retirement plan. So you really want to be, play it safe on the compliance side Mm -hmm. and on the strategy side, um, yeah, it sounds exciting to do real estate in your 401k plan, but it's actually not always a smart thing to do, right? And so the folks that just want to sell you the paperwork, they're just going to talk about how awesome it is to do these things. Um, and as we know, with everything financial, it's really about figuring out your opportunity set and what's going to work best for you. Um, and not always this is the right thing for you. So what we're focused on doing is providing the expertise and the guidance, not selling the paperwork. Right, right. So what I heard you say there is you you focus in a space with self-directed that allows people to take ownership of their own outcomes, right? Like you were advocating earlier, um, but that they're also doing it within a space that is highly regulated and they need to know what they're doing. And a lot of the companies out there are maybe offering some general guidance, but not the specifics and 
the prices, uh, the price to be paid could potentially be much higher. So this is a space where you guys have really stepped in to help people get the type of advice they need to do this properly. Because I do know there's a lot of nuance. I have a lot of uh, real estate investors who are trying to figure out like loopholes and ways to like take the money out of the 401k and lend it to themselves and their own business. And then they could do anything they want with it. And like, it's, you know, that kind of stuff can get a little bit sticky, right? So having someone who's got guidance as opposed to just paperwork and a couple of video educational things is, uh, is pretty important here. Is that what you're saying? You hit the nail on the head. It sounds like, you know, the space fairly well. Well, I've definitely been around it because I was a real estate investor for years and they were really pushing this as a way because a lot of people are uh, retirement account rich and cash poor, right? And yes. I, anybody who listens to my show knows that generally speaking, because I work with business owners, I'm not crazy about dump all your money into a, you know, into a qualified plan, 401k, IRA, SEP, whatever, because I feel like you do, you can lose control or you get a bunch more hoops you have to jump through to use and access that money. For many people, that's good, honestly, because it keeps them and and keeps their money in a place where they're not going to go blow it. But for other people who would be using it practically and who want to take the approach you're talking about of like, I want to take ownership of my own outcomes. This space uh, provides a lot of opportunity, but there's rules and you, you need to know the rules. Otherwise there can be some ramifications. So yeah, it's, it's definitely prevalent. Uh, I think it's highly underutilized by a lot of people. And I do think it is abused because there's a ton of people out there selling ways to loophole the system. And I'm not a fan of that because it is a little, little sticky when you're not sure what you're doing. Yeah. And I just want this place, as we mentioned, to remain there about, there's more than depending on where the stock market is. Right. Mm -hmm. And absolutely the volatility can be pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, Right. But there's, there, there can be there's north of thirty trillion dollars in retirement accounts for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like one question is should I put the money in there in the first place, right? There's a secondary question which is most Americans have is okay I've already got the money in there, what should I do? Yep. Um, and frankly, that's where the majority of our clients come from. Sure. Right. They've got that accumulation there because honestly, the asset classes that most of our investors are pursuing, right? Yes. What the what Wall Street has done well is made it very easy to buy a stock for a dollar, right? Yeah. It's you can you can start investing with a dollar. Yeah. Uh, when in real estate, you actually have to have some accumulated assets. Uh, so people will come to us and say, "Hey, I don't have any money in my retirement accounts. I heard from you about an IRA. You are on a podcast. I heard about IRAs. I want to start an IRA so I should invest in real estate." Um, and and most of those scenarios are going to say. Don't get your IRA through us because there's going to be a fee for that and you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to do anything with it. Right. We'll get a free IRA at Fidelity. Come back to us in a couple of years when you have enough money in there to actually do the kind of deals that you want to do, and then we'll be able to help you. Right. Right. Yeah. Like like anything, right? There's things that you're really good at and set up to do. And it sounds to me like if if Fidelity is the Walmart, you guys might be a little bit more of the Nordstrom, right? more high touch, higher quality. And when you need that, then it's it's more than worth it to pay for it. But if you don't need those services, you don't need to be paying for them is what I hear you saying. Uh, and, and it's also about the integrity, the willingness to tell people, you don't need us. Right. right. You're yeah. going to be far better served. Not only that, they're actually, you'll actually be better served 
um, at the fidelity. Uh, and we want to work with people where we're really going to add value. Uh, that's really our goal ultimately is to add value. And if we can't add value, uh, it's not something we want to be part of. Yeah, totally understand that. So I always like to ask Bernard, as you've been growing this business, um, what, what are some of the, maybe the, something you could pass on to us that you feel like is a good lesson you've learned in, in just growing and building your business. That's, that's really helped you become successful because people are always looking for like, you know, give me some tips. What are some things I need to know about building a business that have really helped you? Okay. Could I talk about things where I failed? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you learn from your mistakes Yeah. Uh, because yeah, there are things you got right. And there are mistakes that we made. One, one thing that's really needed is from the outset, you've got to think about the systems that you need um, in place as you grow. Uh, because you grow and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, we had this process in place that is not sustainable. And then you're doing all sorts of catch up. Um, you know, yeah, business has risk. You may or may not be successful. It's not guaranteed. Right. But you're getting started because you're planning on success. Um, so, yeah, don't go by the, you know, it used to be pre-pandemic, maybe say, yeah, don't go rent space on Madison Avenue, you know, right. just yet. <laughs> right. But you do need to invest in the systems that you need to your business so your business can evolve and grow with you. Get that in place from the outset. So don't go crazy, but don't cut yourself. You know, don't don't make don't make sure you take the long view mm -hmm. so that your business can grow with you naturally and organically. Um, and frankly, that's something that I can say where I erred. Um, it didn't have all the systems in place and a lot of automation and things that should have been put in place earlier um, got put in place later. And during that period where you're transitioning, um, you're busy kind of kicking yourself that why don't we do this in day one? <laughs> I, I totally get that. So, well, Bernard, you know, so many things you and I could talk about. We are running out of time here, um, but I always like to give people like 30 seconds to say anything you want to say, whether it's something we talked about or not, and then just uh, tell us where people can connect with you online if they didn't catch it right at the beginning. Okay. Um, so I'm going to do, I'm going to take the second one first because I have to give a little bit of thought, my 30 okay. second thing. Uh, so you can find me again, as I say, Google Reshore Financial, reshorefinancial.com, Agent Financial, or just Google the name. Um, lots of stuff out there. And soon we're going to put Big Life Financial on our kind of wall of honor, along okay. with the other uh, podcasts that we've been on. Uh, third, if I can have 30 seconds, what I'd say is really find more than the money side, find your purpose. Uh, because certain things that you can, every, you're going to have a lot of questions uh, as you progress in business. Mm -hmm. And if you, can, if you only measure things by the dollar is your only metric, um, number one, you'll probably make mistakes. Secondly, the dollar is very seldom your only metric. You may not be so tuned into it, mm -hmm. but you do have a conscience and a moral compass that's there, um, and that can be your guide. And when when you ignore that and you make choices without it, um, you actually can make choices that you're not happy with. Um, and yeah. the second, and you may have a nagging, you may not know what that is, but it's really your deeper purpose um, that is that you're not aligned with. And the second thing is you want to find alignment with that deeper purpose. 
because even in business success or business failure, because both of those outcomes are possible, mm -hmm. um, you're going to need that purpose. Once the money is there, you're either going to be saying, okay, what's what now? Mm -hmm. Right. And so you need that purpose. And if the failure happens, then you're, everybody knows, then you're going to be asking what now? Yeah. Um, and that purpose is there. So kind of the, what has to underlie everything is um, your deeper sense of meaning. I absolutely love it. I was a purpose coach for a while for business owners. And so uh, you're speaking my language here. So Bernard, absolute pleasure to have you on. You guys have uh, a ton of cool and, and interesting uh, strategies that people definitely need to check out. I'm sure you and I could nerd out about this for a very long time, but we, we don't have time today. So I just want to thank you for being on the show and for, for sharing the ideas that you brought along to us. Uh, Derek, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I got to say, true meeting of the minds, hearts, and souls here. Yeah. Um, and as we progress in the conversation, we kept uncovering more and more um, layers um, that we share, um, you know, and layers where we, I think we have very similar outlooks. Uh, great to be on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Van Ness, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business big life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.